0: Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Last Friday, January 14th, 2022, saw the return of Ghostface in the first entry of the Scream franchise since 2011's Scream 4. Last week I gave my thoughts on the original 1996 Wes Craven classic, and since then, I actually watched all of the Scream movies in prep for Scream 5, or as it's titled, Scream. If you listened to my episode last week, you know that I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the Scream franchise, which is all the more fun to go back and re-watch them to see if I have a different opinion. Well, my opinion is kind of the same on the franchise as a whole, as I prefer my slasher films to be a little bit more brutal and visceral in their kills, but that's not to say that the Scream franchise is weak by any means. It's just some of the jokey nature of the way the series played out isn't really for me. But with that said, the movies are perfectly enjoyable, and I enjoyed going back to watch all four of these films. If I had an actual ranking of the Scream films, first one is the best. Ranking at number two for me is Scream 4. I know a lot of people had issues with Scream 4, but it's incredibly fun, especially with its feeling of multiple endings. Not only that, Scream 4 actually felt like a nice return to form. Not only that, it felt like a nice return to form, especially with Scream 3's kills that were mostly off-screen and didn't really have a lot of blood to them. I'd say as far as holding up, especially since it's one of the most recent ones, Scream 4 does it best, especially with its theme of somebody wanting to get internet famous. And you can actually correlate that to the way a lot of Instagram and Facebook influencers are internet famous. What would they go through in order to reach that level of stardom? It's impressive because back in 2011, it wasn't entirely relevant, but here in 2022, the movie truly shows how far ahead of its time it really was. I think Scream 4 is almost brilliant in its execution. Coming in at number 3 is Scream 2. Now, this is actually a tough one because Scream 2 is a very, very good follow-up to the first one. It just doesn't reach the same heights as what the first one did. The most surprising thing about Scream 2 is the fact that they got this movie together practically a year after the first one released. It was a rush job to kind of get it out there, strike while irons hot, and it turned out to be an excellent sequel. I know that Scream 4 is my top sequel, but it's almost a tie with Scream 2 and Scream 4 as far as the number 2 and number 3 ranking spot. That brings us to Scream 3, which is number four. Scream 3 is definitely a low point of the Scream franchise. It's an alright movie. It's still fun. The Jay and Silent Bob cameo is still funny to me. The fact that movies and video games, entertainment media as a whole, suffered because of the Columbine school shooting is sad because it kind of ruined what the third film could have been. It's not a bad film but it's just not great either. I don't hate it near as much as most fans, and strangely enough, I like one of the most hated entries in the series, which is Scream 4, but it's really not a bad film in itself, especially when you watch them back to back to back and take the series in as a whole. It is pretty good. It's a little weird, the fact that there's a scummy producer who very much seems to be modeled after Harvey Weinstein, which maybe we all should have been paying attention a little bit more. So, my official ranking of all of the Scream films were 1 through 4. Number 1 is Scream 1996. Number 2 is Scream 4. Number 3 is Scream 2. Number 4 is Scream 3. Now, with my ranking of the Scream films in the Scream franchise out of the way, I think it's time we get into the episode. Starring Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Melissa Barrera, and Jenna Ortega. This is the 2022 Matt bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett-directed Scream. Scream, or as I'm going to call it in this Adam Analyzes episode, Scream 5 takes place 25 years later as we return to the California town of Woodsboro. There is a brand new ghost face committing a new series of murders. We have a new group of teens who seek the help of former deputy and sheriff of Woodsboro, Dewey Riley. Dewey tells his ex-wife, Gail Weathers, and survivor of all of the Scream films, Sydney Prescott to stay away from Woodsboro. Well, they just couldn't resist, so the gang gets back together to help this new group of teens survive. When Scream 5 was announced to be in production, I don't know, a year or two ago, one of my big thoughts of why would we want to revisit this. Especially since this Scream appeared to be a reboot and wouldn't actually be Scream 5. The Scream series kind of proved that you can go ahead and make a somewhat respectable Scream story and not include any ties to the original Scream franchise. Thankfully, we get a film that is titled Scream, but is actually Scream 5. I was happy to hear that. I'm not a huge fan of reboots in general. Mostly because they don't seem to have a reason to exist, other than to introduce it to a new audience and make money. A lot of the updates in modern reboots I don't care for. Scream 5, as the movie puts it, is a requill. I always call them reboot quills. So I guess me and the filmmakers are on the same page with that, that if you're going to reboot a film, why not acknowledge everything that came before? Let's go ahead and include the real-life actors as the characters in the past films. If I have to say one thing about Scream 5, it was wise to give our returning loved characters the proper screen time they deserve. It's not quite as extensive as the different Spider-Men and Peter Parkers in Spider-Man No Way Home. But it really was nice to catch up with Sydney, Dewey, and Gale. Even if it didn't exactly work out for Gale and Dewey in the long run, it's good to see that at least Sydney has a somewhat normal life. She has kids and a husband, so hey, everything worked out for her, which is great considering everything that her character has been through those previous four films. Quite possibly the best thing about Scream 5 is those returning characters. Everyone involved, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, they all seem incredibly enthusiastic about being there. That's one of the best things about it. I would think as the actors have aged, maybe it's a project they wouldn't want to do. Instead, they all slip back into their characters really well. I never once got the feeling that these were actors imitating the characters that we enjoyed and were there with from the very first film. It was especially good to see the story of Dewey and Gale in the film, which actually has some surprising emotionally powerful scenes. The dialogue between Dewey and Gale is emotionally honest. It just makes me wonder how much are they acting and how much is it what they went through in real life as a married couple. We get those characters that love each other very much, it just somehow didn't work out. We go from seeing them as mere characters in a film to actual real life people here. There is a brand new cast of characters. that I think they all did a good job. The humor here is a little different. I think Scream 5 is probably even more serious than what Scream 4 was. It's not exactly a bad thing. You always get the sense that the writers here were trying to honor what came before while trying to really craft their own identity. Even if they stuck a little too close to the Scream formula, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a shakeup in delivering something different. Yes, Scream 5, for as different as what it is from the other films, it really is the same thing. With Scream 4 and Scream 5, being made so far out from their last entries, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we're receiving a film that feels so familiar. The very end of this film had the words, For Wes. As we know, Wes Craven passed away a few years ago. I really feel that the production group, a creative team who is better known as Radio Silence, wanted to make a film that would never top any of the Wes Craven originals, but feel right at home with everything that Wes Craven did. I think they largely succeeded here. I am aware of some of the past projects that Radio Silences worked on, such as the anthology film Southbound, which I really did not care for. I intend to revisit it again someday, but it didn't seem like it was for me. But I kind of feel that way about most modern horror anthology films. Radio Silence went on to produce the 2019 film Ready or Not, which I honestly really enjoyed. It was a blast to watch. I even recorded an Adam Analyze's episode on it back in the day. It's hard to believe that that much time has passed, but it has. Directors Matt Bettinelli-Ulpin and Tyler Gillett should very much be proud of the film that they delivered here. It's a film that Scream fans may not necessarily like. I know I did read some negative comments I understand them but I can't say that I actually agree with them they delivered a scream film that very much is a brand new thing but has the original films from Wes Craven running throughout its DNA through the entire film I got the feeling that they love the scream franchise that makes all the difference when you're making a fifth entry in a film trying to honor a filmmaker that came before you in the series One of the more impressive things about Scream 5 is the kills. The kills are actually pretty brutal here. It made me, even as a somewhat seasoned horror vet, wince a little bit, especially with the one kill where you get a knife in the throat. That right there was truly a standout for me. The other thing that I touched on a little bit earlier in the episode, but didn't really say too much about it, is the new group of teens. I think they were all good. And I really could see continuing with a Scream 6 without the original characters and focusing squarely on the new group. The two new main characters, the Carpenter sisters, Sam and Tara Carpenter, played by Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega, were great. They actually felt real. They felt like real characters. We even get to see the niece and nephew of Randy from the first and second Scream film. We get those new rules laid out for us, and somehow they don't come across nearly as arrogant as when Jamie Kennedy delivered them 25 years ago. Because after all, this new film would have new rules, especially since it's a requel, not a reboot, not a sequel, just its own animal, even if it's largely the same. I have to say I hate the modern titles of films. I don't like the fact that Ghostbusters 2016 was called Ghostbusters. Later, they changed it to Ghostbusters Answer the Call. We also got a sequel to Halloween, which I have to call Halloween 18 because it has the same title as the original film. Many years ago, we had that The Thing prequel. Instead of calling it something else, Or, like, The Thing Begins something. It was called The Thing. I hate the fact that Scream 5 is called Scream. But, the writers were smart enough to use it as a tool. And it honestly creates a nice little in-joke that is in fact mentioned in the film. As we know, it's been over a decade since we received our last Scream film. That means that the horror landscape, as far as films and TV goes, it's changed. There's the new type of horror film, and that is the elevated horror. I've never called it that, but we're looking at the different horror films that are not quite horror films. Instead, they have something else to say, as a lot of the horror films we receive now are dramas with horror elements with the drama at the forefront. We actually get some of that with Scream 5. They mention it, and of course, they skewer it by creating their own elevated-style horror film. They were nice enough to name-drop some of these films, in case we didn't know them. Of course I was aware of them, but we're looking at the Baba Duke, Hereditary, you could even include Midsomar in that. There's always been a strong sense of the horror genre always having something else to say. Look at the films of George A. Romero. It's just now I think people are simply realizing it with this new wave of horror films. Scream 5 also tackles fan expectations as well as what I called it in an episode, fan entitlement, also known as toxic fandom. In an effort to create something different, the team of Radio Silence, they really wanted to tackle the way people feel about their films and their sequels or reboots. It works. It works especially well for this film because as much as it's different, it is the same. But also fans may not exactly like what they're receiving here. The killers in the film, which I'm not going to reveal because I'd like it to be a bit of a surprise, even if I called it really early in the film as far as what was going on. I would have to say that overall predictability is something that really worked against this movie and my enjoyment of it. I did enjoy it. I did really like it. It's just, I wish I would have been surprised. Maybe I was kind of looking for things a little bit too much, since I watched all four Scream films in prep for this one. If you're a Scream fan, I really think that you're going to guess who the killer or killers are. Sadly, one of those for me was within the opening of the movie. But as far as those fan expectations and toxic fandom, we all know that fans are great. Fans of anything, they really do love movies and various intellectual properties. If I don't like what a team does with a thing that I love, I simply don't watch it. I kind of choose to ignore it. I act like it doesn't exist. It doesn't bother me to the point where I'm going to go and send CEOs and people that make these big decisions over the entertainment that we consume, I'm not going to send them death threats. That's a little ridiculous, but sadly it really happens to make matters worse, we have those creators that fire back at that fan base saying, "Hey, I don't care what you like, I'm going to do what I want." So, that is something that is super super present in the brand new Scream film. I think it worked really well, but there's going to be some of those fan bases that are going to feel like, "Oh man, they pointed the gun directly at us." And you'd be right, they did. But in my opinion, they didn't really craft a film that is super, super different from what came before. It's different, but it's not. If anything, the actual motive of the killer or killers in this one, it's very close and similar to Scream 4. I would have liked to have seen something completely different, but I understand with the idea of the toxic fandom that this idea really went well with it. The only other problem or issue that I had with this movie was the pacing. The pacing is a little off. It doesn't move as smoothly as the other Scream films. But then again, we have a little bit more character development. I'm not going to say that the writing was messy as far as any of the old characters or the new characters, as I liked what was done here. It just doesn't seem to flow as well as the original film. However, I will say that the writing is better than the writing on Scream 3. I think the writing on Scream 3 was definitely a departure for the series. It was very apparent that it wasn't written by original Scream creator and film writer Kevin Williamson. But as I stated earlier, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I like the fact that the team at Radio Silence knew that they were going to have an uphill battle for one to accept this movie because Kevin Williamson isn't writing the script and Wes Craven isn't directing. They knew that uphill battle, they decided to reference it in the script. Considering Scream was very well aware of the different tropes in the horror genre, I don't see this as too much of a departure there to actually tease the audience a little bit. I think we could all use a little ribbing from time to time, and it's definitely something that doesn't feel like it comes from a place that where it would simply just make fun of the audience just for the sake of doing so. The big question for me with how it ends, everything wraps up really well. Will they make a Scream 6? In entertainment, there is a law of diminishing returns. Where the Scream franchise has an advantage is the fact that It was such a long time between Scream 3 to Scream 4, and from 4 to 5. That makes it a little bit easier for people to not have exhaustion. I don't want to wait 10 years for another Scream sequel. If they're going to do it, I would like them to do it maybe within the next 5. I really would like to see the returning characters come back, but are they needed? Not necessarily. In much of the way that Ghostbusters Afterlife was a passing the torch movie Scream 5 really is a passing of the torch as well if you truly think about it all of the characters that survived throughout the original Scream films 1 through 4 how much can they actually take they went through it now for a fifth time and I'm not truly saying it here but all or none of them could have actually made it through this one it may actually be time to let these characters that we love from the other films it may be time to let them go Maybe we don't necessarily need a Scream 6, or if we do receive a Scream 6, we don't necessarily need these other characters anymore. Because it really is not the same world as what the other ones came from. The entertainment landscape has changed. Thankfully, Scream 5 has been a bit of a box office success. I'm glad to see it maybe make a little bit of a comeback, and if we get another one, sure, I'll watch it. Do I absolutely need another one? No. We have four great and really good films from Wes Craven. We now have this one, which is a very good follow-up. It's not perfect, but no film is. What it is, is a simple, enjoyable whodunit that you may or may not guess who it is. To me, this was a nice little hello from a series that I didn't think would receive a fifth entry. And I don't necessarily want to say goodbye to it, but I think I'll just say I'll see you later. And if you come back through, let's see what you got. With that said, I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. Also, if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or even better, if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night.